What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Bringing It Back podcast. We are so honored that you're here. Our heart is to help you figure out how to navigate life well while keeping Scripture at the foundation of all that we do. We are so excited for this week. Let's get into it. Consecrate good times. Come on. (laughs) Welcome to Bringing It Back. I hope you're cringing, cause we are, cause we're we're bringing we're talk we're talk we're bringing it back, and we're talking about consecration. God. Yeah. Well, Anyways, got, got I'm some, Jonah. <laughs> this is Micah. I've got some serious editing editing to do at the start of this podcast. Man, that was pretty good. Yeah, not bad at all. Not bad. Spontaneous. That's usually not something I'm known for. No. That's true. That's true. Well, welcome back, guys. We're so excited that you would uh, be here and listen to what we have to say. As always, we're going to bring it back to Scripture. But before we do that, Jonah, I think I have a great question. If you had to only eat one ethnicity of food for the rest of your life, you had to lay all the other ones down. You used this one. No, I didn't. During at, at camp, oh, for a furnace icebreaker. How would you know you weren't in my word got class. around? <laughs> People talked about it. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Well, so what's the answer? It's <sighs> a great question. I don't think I did that. You did. Oh, how else would I know that? Who told you that? I have my sources. <laughs> you weren't in my furnace. Class. I have my sources. <laughs> All right. Um, I'd go <sighs> Asian food for sure. Is the only thing you can eat for the rest of your life? Yes. There's plenty of variety because you got sushi in there. Then you got like stir fry, sesame chicken, orange chicken, generals. So, so what the generals chicken as well is in there. And lo mein, like what's up? Chow mein. That's so few options. Pork fried rice. That's like all the same thing though. Yeah, but it's all good. Is Asian food really your answer? Broccoli and beef? Broccoli beef's good. Yeah. The honey sesame chicken at Panda is what I've been getting lately, and it's, it's very good. Yeah. Um, I'm sticking with that because everything else is pretty much right, rice and protein as well, and yes. they just have all the sauces, you know? Yeah. Part of me thinks that I would go Italian, but at the end of the day, I just love steak too much, so <laughs> I think I'd have to stick with, like, American food. All right, American. Yeah, that's... I love me a steak. I like a good burger. Kind that just drips in your hands as you're eating it. How many burgers have you had like that? <laughs> Dude. Plenty. Plenty. Well, I guess if you pick one ethnicity of food, you have to surrender or lay down all wow. the other kinds yeah. of food. You got to lay one down at the cross. Yeah. Well, that actually kind of brings us to what we're talking about today, <laughs> and that is this idea of surrender. I think surrender is another word that we hear a lot in a Christian culture. You know, talk about laying things down and taking things to Jesus, but chances are, I feel like you probably don't know what it actually looks like to do that, or at least I didn't for a long time. So we're going to talk a little bit about surrender today and what that looks like and how you can do it well. You ever have someone in your life just say, like, just give it up to God? Yeah, it pisses me off. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Even when people are like, you just need to trust this. You need to entrust this to God. Just trust God with this, and you'll be good to go. 
Sure. I have no idea what that means. At least I didn't, yeah. you know, five, sure. six, seven years ago. I was like, cool, that sounds like a fun Christian answer. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I just, I didn't really know practically what that looks like. And there are a lot of things I wanted to do. Yeah. But just to start us off with some scripture to know that you should trust in God and that it is a wise decision. We're just going to jump into Proverbs chapter 3. Verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And then a little bonus verse, verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. That's good stuff. That is good stuff. Just to lay the foundation, like, you should basically... Give up on all your own impulses and replace them with the impulses of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. I think that verse is one that I heard. I mean, everyone has heard that verse oh, a million times. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was talking to Todd, my mentor, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Just figuring out some stuff with myself. And he said that verse. And he was like, have you actually ever saw, like, sat and thought about what that verse is telling you to do? Yeah. Like, do not lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge him and he will make your past right. And I was like, wow, that is so much yeah. Easier said than done. And I think we say that all the time, but we don't oh, yeah. actually like to do it. It's like the classic verse. It's like John 3.16. Everybody's heard it. Yeah. You grow up memorizing it. And it, yeah, like you said, it wasn't even until the past two, three years where I really started to just fall in love with this verse. And it, it really became one of my favorite verses that always kind of centers me back on Jesus. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. And then in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Not just at church acknowledge him, not just at youth group acknowledge him or at summer camp acknowledge him, but in all your ways. I mean, that's hot stuff. Yeah, that's hard to do too. This is the one that's like, I think I've seen it at least in the last season of my life. If you heard the word season, we got another pod about that. Go listen to that one. (laughs) What's up? But in the last season of my life, I think I spent all summer like doing the furnace, doing discipleship stuff. And I did a lot of telling people to like trust the Lord and surrender. And then I had to turn around and do it in the next season of my life right after camp ended. So just like right off the bat, I want to acknowledge this is the easiest thing to talk about and the hardest thing to do. Um, so as we sit here and tell you about like surrendering things and consecrating and laying it down, just know that like, again, I say this every week, this isn't stuff that we have figured out. Like this is hard for me to do too. And it's something that I'm definitely still figuring out. But Jonah threw out a word earlier that I want to talk about. Um, and Joshua 3.5 has a good reference to it. it says then joshua said to the people consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the lord will do wonders among you you sang the word consecrate very poorly in our intro um so can you talk it's to us a little rude. bit about a little bit about what consecration is so the dictionary defines consecration as the action of making or declaring something typically a church sacred um so it's basically you're 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 specifying that something is sacred, that it is set apart. Um, and it also says, in the Christian belief, the action of declaring bread and wine to be or represent the body or the blood of Christ. So those, we call them the elements, um, that they are consecrated to be sacred. They were essentially replacing our worldly meaning of them with God's meaning of them. And then the third definition the action of ordaining someone or something to be sacred. Um, So consecration 
kind of in practical terms, what it means for a Christian in their daily life is taking something and you are, when you declare something as sacred, it's like you're, you're essentially giving it into God's hands. Like, okay, this is kind of set apart for me now and it's in your hands and it belongs to you and I'm, I'm going to lay it down at the cross and recognize it as something that is bigger than I am. And so that's kind of how I see consecration. Yeah. Yeah, I think consecrate is kind of just a fancy word for surrender. Yeah, I think surrender is an easier thing to do. So really, it's just this whole idea of, you know, laying down your own desires, your own parts of your life so that the Lord can replace it with things that he wants to do. Um, And I think even a question I would ask is, I think surrender is one of the hardest things we have to do in our walk. Why do you think surrender is so hard? Um, Well, I think... Honestly, at the end of the day, for me, it was so hard because of pride, because I wanted my life to go the way I want my life to go. I still want my life to go the, the way I want it to go. Sure. Um, and so surrender is hard for me because it's essentially saying, and, and when I was a kid, I probably would have classified myself as a control freak. Sure. I just, as the youngest of seven, there were, it was just like, Anything that I could have control over, I would obsess over having control. Right. Because I didn't have control over most things because yeah. everyone was bigger and stronger than me. Yeah. Um, and so my whole life, I like to plan. I like to have things worked out. I like to, I don't even like to do things really spontaneously because it's like, I like to know what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, what it's going to cost me you know, the dates that it's surrounding, all this different stuff. I just like things to be planned out and thought out. And so surrender really didn't work well for me in middle school and high school when I would plan out my whole life up to when I'm 30. And then like the next day when I'm 15, there's a wrench thrown in that plan. And I'm like, well, my life is in the drain now and everything is disappointing. And so I did not like to surrender things a lot. And really at the end of the day, it came down to pride and control. I just didn't like the feeling of my life being out of my control. Mm. Yeah, I think to I think I am kind of the same way a little bit. Maybe I just use a little bit of different terminology. I think the big thing for me wasn't so much about pride and control. It was that I didn't trust the Lord. Yeah. Um, and just to throw a few verses your way, which are really so simple, and it's crazy that we hear these and we don't like put them into action at all. Um, but Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil, but to give you a hope in the future. So, man, right there, like we have in Scripture that the Lord's going to, like He has great plans for us. And I think it's hard to surrender, at least for myself sometimes, because I think I know what's best. And I don't trust that what the Father has for me is better. Even as I'm saying this, I'm thinking, so I, we've talked a little bit, I'm I'm Manny, I watch some kids. But (laughs) just the other day, I I was sitting there with this little girl, she's one, and she was playing with just you know these toys and she dropped something and made a bolt for this pile of toys that she wasn't supposed to run toward um just because she's you know young she could choke on them but as she reached down to grab for it i picked her up and i scooped her i was like hey like no you can't play with that of course she's one so she doesn't understand what i'm saying yeah but she just starts screaming her head off but while she's screaming and throwing a fit because i don't let her have what she wants she has noticed that I'm holding these little Cheetos in my other hand, which are mm. her favorite thing, which is my go-to to get her to stop crying. <laughs> um, but 
I think a lot of times the Lord looks at us the same way where we have this one thing that we really, really want. Um, and then when we take it, we throw a fit so much so that we focus more on what we're not getting than what the Lord has for us right there. And I think a lot of times surrender is something that we have to um, do and do effectively and consistently before we can see like this other option that the Lord has for us that we probably don't see. And I think sometimes that's the hardest kind of surrender is when we really want something um, so much that we're willing to look at the Father and say like, no, I want this more than what yep. you have for me. Yeah, so absolutely. I know trust has been a big thing for me in surrender. It was like, I just don't know if I trust the Lord enough. Yep. And I'm working through that. Trust is huge. And one thing that's helped me, I think one of the most, I would probably say it's a core value of my life, really kind of shapes the way I think about God and the way I think about myself and others is that everything I have has been given to me by God. It's not mine. It's his. And I think that's a pretty common like Christian thought, you know, but I think I don't think a lot of people necessarily apply it to their daily lives. And that's something I've really tried to work at the past few years in particular in my adult life is just to like anything good in my life, anything I want in my life, anything I've been given, I just, I have this rule. I just give God credit for it. And I think it really helps, particularly with trusting in him, is, you know, I think we've all kind of heard that picture of when, you know, you shouldn't hold on to something that you have, but hold it with an open hand um, and that's a sign of trusting God is, is when you have something you really want and you're just loosely holding on to it, you're holding on to it with an open hand so that if he is going to take that away or if that gets stripped from you somehow or, or whatever, it's not like you were clinging on to it so much that it's become a part of who you are. And that's been something in my life that I, I just constantly think about. I know it's kind of a cliche, but it's one of those things um, that was really hammered into me because it applies not only to things I want in my life. Like, I want a Toyota Tacoma. That's something I want in my life. Sure. And it's one of those things that's like, if I really kind of let my life revolve around that, which honestly, that would be a little ridiculous. Sure. But if I let my life revolve around that, then if I never got a Toyota Tacoma, then it's like my whole life is worthless. Yeah. Getting married, that's something I really want in my life. But even then... That's something I feel like that's a promise from the Lord in my life. But there's even evidence in Scripture of God giving a promise and then asking for it back. And that's something I think a lot of people stray away from because they're like, I don't want to think about that because yeah. it's hard. Like, oh, well, God, you promised me this. How can you ask for it back? And it's like, do you know who you're talking to? You're talking to God like he's the one who gave it to you in the first place. Um, and I just want to point out one example in Scripture um, I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, but it's in Genesis chapter 22. It's Abraham and Isaac. I'm sure most of you are probably familiar with the story, but um, I do want to point out in the first verse of chapter 22, it says, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. And then that's when God says, I want you to take your son and sacrifice him as a burnt offering to me up on the mountain. And the crazy thing is, is right after God says that, it just goes straight into verse 3, and it says, Early the next morning Abraham got up and saddled his donkey, and he took with him two servants and his son Isaac. Like, there was no back and forth there. Yeah, yeah. No, like, well, God, you promised that I would have a son and that I would have all these people 
come out, uh, come out of me and, and they would be your people. And I, like he didn't try to throw any of that in God's face. Um, and I also want to point out, it says God tested Abraham. And I think that's something that we associate with negativity, like, oh, well, God is testing us. And that's like, he doesn't really love us if he's testing us or he doesn't trust us if he's testing us. And I'm just like, that's ridiculous. And I've heard people think that way, like, oh, well, a good parent would never test their children. I'm like, that's an idiotic way of thinking about that. And I'm sorry if you think that way. Just think a better way is all I'm going to say about that. But um, God does test us. And he tests Abraham to make sure that the promise that he's entrusted to Abraham, that Abraham will entrust that to God. And it's one of those things that I I don't think a lot of people really think about. They don't really dive into that scripture much because it's uncomfortable. But Abraham obeys and then God provides him with a different sacrifice. If you don't know the end of that, Abraham does not slaughter his son and burn him as an offering to God. Uh, God provides a different offering because he sees that Abraham trusts him even with the, the, the promise that God gave him. And I think for me that has just totally shaped my life and how I approach my relationship with God. Yeah, yeah that's good. And I think another thing I would like to probably touch on is just that surrender is very rarely like a one-time thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, let me just surrender it once, and then it's just over, and I don't ever have to worry about it again. Yeah. Um, I think that's not a very realistic way of thinking. I don't think that's really how it works. A lot of times it takes consistency, and I think, again, the Lord wants to test us and see if we're really committed to something and if we're really willing to surrender it uh, before we feel like it's gone. Um, and I even think back to like when the Israelites were in the desert and the Lord sent them manna, um, and they were picking it up, and then they try to pick a bunch up, yeah. and then he stops sending it, or like it goes rotten yeah. because he just provide for the day. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> I think daily faith is a big one there. Like, are you willing to wake up every morning and surrender the same things over and over again consistently, um, and be a part of that process? But even something that I think is really beneficial when we're talking about this is in Second Corinthians ten five. It says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Um, So I think taking thoughts captive is a huge part of surrender. But it's also something that I've uh, heard for so, so long, and I had no idea what it was at all. Um, Because like I said, surrender can be a daily thing. Um, So Jonah, what is an example for you? I'm putting you on the spot here. It's like taking a thought captive. What do you think that looks like? So it's funny. I actually kind of developed this like internal process in my mind that kind of acted as like a security system for thoughts that I didn't want in my mind. And it was funny because it was really by the grace of God when I was just really trying to train my mind to think on things of the kingdom and things that were not productive, things that were not of the kingdom, worldly things, impure thoughts, um, lies, you know, all these different things that the enemy would try to throw at me. The Lord kind of gave me this picture um, of my mind being like, uh, like you would imagine like the hall that a king would sit in, like his court or whatever you want to call it. But there's the throne in there. Yeah. And then there's like the people that kind of guard the hall to make sure nobody can get to the king that's not supposed to get to the king. Um, and in this instance, I'd, I would imagine that this there was like the announcer guy who would come in and announce the person that was about to visit with the king. You know, he would come in and be like... Micah, my lord, is is here to talk with you. You know, whatever it is. And so in this scenario, I'm like in the throne of my mind. I get to control what's going on in my mind. 
And whenever a bad thought was coming in, it was like somebody would walk in and be like, hey, just so you know, Jonah, the next thought that's coming is a lie. And so then I would kind of be alerted to that and it would come in almost like a red flag. It would come in and I'd be like, I don't want that in here. And so I would just have my bouncers bounce it out. And it was really cool because I, I started to develop that. And to me, that's what it meant, taking thoughts captive. I... It, for me, it, it was a habit I had to build, and I had to work at it, and I don't think anybody really just does it naturally. Yeah. I think it's something you have to work at, and I don't ever think you have to stop working at it. I think you continually need to be alert of, of what's going on in your mind, because really, honestly, how you think is the most <laughs> important thing about you. Sure. Um, and, and so that, for me, became just a spiritual discipline, is taking inventory of my thoughts and then kicking the stuff out that I didn't want in there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. And I think even because again, I say I heard this a lot and I didn't really know what it looked like. And I think I got a little story that kind of helps illustrate it. Well, true. So a few (laughs) years ago, we moved into a new house, me and my family. And on one of the first nights, my mom said she heard something running around in the attic. So we had an exterminator come, right? And he came down. He's like, man, there's hundreds of rats in your attic, like hundreds, but we can't get rid of them all at one time just because there's no good way to dispose of them. So the best thing you can do is like set a trap, wait for it to go off and then dispose of it and reset it. So like, that's what my dad did. He set a trap. Um, it would go off. He'd take the rat, dispose of it and then reset it. And that first day it was like every minute there was a trap going off. He would get it, dispose of the rat. Then on the second day, it was like, man, every five minutes there was a trap that would go off. He'd get the rat, dispose of it, throw it away. By the third day, it was like every every 30 minutes. And then the next day, it was every hour. And then eventually, there was like every other day, you know, the trap would go off. He'd get the rat, dispose of it, and then reset the trap. And then eventually, he set the trap, and it never went off again. And I think taking our thoughts captive can be really, really similar to that, where it takes a lot of consistency at the start, where you're like, man, I'm having to take this thought captive every other minute of my life. But I think the more consistent you are with it there, the further in between that you have to reset that trap and be aware of the thoughts coming in because of the consistency at the start. Man, and that story is like not even true. We didn't have rats in our attic. But I think it's <laughs> you just... You made it up. I think that's a great... I think it's That a is great, a great... I, think I was a, really invested I think in it's that. a great was, illustration that yeah, kind of talks about like the consistency. So like Jonah said, I don't think it's something where you just take your thought captive once and then you're just good. I think it takes a lot of consistency at the start before yeah. you're able to see real change in that. Yeah. I want to just share with you guys, um, still you might be thinking like, okay, taking thoughts captive, surrendering things to the Lord, what does that actually look like practically? I just want to share with you all what it looks like practically for me, um, because this really is important, I think. Um, And the big thing, I I always kind of like to start broad um, and think about things in my life that I am surrendering to the Lord. Um, and it can be dreams, it can be relationships, it can be just desires I have in my life, all these different things I need to be surrendering to the Lord. And for me, it makes it easier in my mind to think, well, I don't need to surrender each individual thing if I just surrender my entire life to God. And so, I mean, I made a decision to surrender my life to God when I was nine, and that was a big moment for me. And even beyond that, I still have these, these dreams and these things I really want for my life that I continually have to kind of take a step back 
and and just release that to God. Because sometimes I'll release it to God and I'll say, God, you know, your will be done, not mine. I mean, even Jesus had to release things to God. Even Jesus had to surrender his own will before God's will. And there are just times where I would have to remind myself, Jonah, it's not just that you have to surrender this one thing to God, but you've already surrendered your life to God. So everything you have belongs to him already. So it's, it's, it's less about, well, God, I'm going to give this to you. And it's more about, God, I'm just going to let you do what you need to do. And I'm here along for the ride. I'm here to, to do whatever you ask me to do. And practically what that looks like for me, I've had to do this exercise so many times. And some of you might think like, well, that's kind of a weird thing to do. But I play this game with myself called Worst Case Scenario. And I think about things that I, and, and I actively do this. I think about things that I really, really want in my life. And then I think about the worst possible outcome in that context. And then I ask myself, do I still have Jesus? And if the answer is yes, then I just pray into that, and I'm good to go. Like, um, Is the answer ever no? No, the answer is <laughs> never no. <laughs> so that's, that's the great thing about Jesus, yeah. is that he's never going away. He's not going anywhere. And so I, I love doing that because it, it really is, it's like dark for just a moment because I'm thinking about the worst possible scenario. Like, I've thought about these scenarios where I'm like, you know, what if my whole family dies and, and everyone I love is, is, you know, what if I don't live with the people that I love or I never see my friends and you know, all this stuff. And again, I know that sounds dark. And you're like, <laughs> Why would you ever think about, take your thoughts captive, Jonah. But I do that because it reminds me that Jesus is my foundation. That honestly, one of the biggest desires of my heart is to, to get married and to share my life with just a sweet, sweet fox, and and something I do, and I probably do this maybe on a weekly, maybe bi-weekly basis, is I take a moment with the Lord, and I think, Jonah, what if you never get married? What if you, even if it's, you know, miss an opportunity, whatever it is, but at the end of the day, I'm just asking myself, Jonah, what if you never get married? Do you still have Jesus? Is he still going to provide what you need to to do his will, to live a fulfilling life, and to do what you're, what you're passionate about and what he has designed for you? And yeah, the answer is yes, absolutely, 100%. Do I want that to happen? No, absolutely, 100%. But at the end of the day, again, I, I find myself in this place, Lord, your will is more important to me than my own will. And my prayer is that I will be so intimate with you on a daily basis that my will just becomes your will. And I think we talked about that yeah. in our podcast yeah. about God's will. Um, so go listen to that again real quick. But that's just something yeah. I think about a lot. Um, and I do want to bring a scripture to sure. mind sure. Um, in reference to that. It's Philippians 1.21, and this scripture is very important to me. And it, it's Paul talking, and he says, But for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that has really shaped my whole life. If you don't know me, I actually have that scripture tattooed on me. It's very small, so not many people can see it. <laughs> but um, I still have it tattooed on me. And to me, what that verse means and what I, what I feel like Paul is saying in that context is he's saying, listen, when you live with Jesus, your whole life is a win-win. Because if you live, 
Hallelujah. You get to keep living your life for Jesus and spreading his good word. And if you die, then hallelujah, you get to be with him in paradise. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that I, I try to apply that to smaller situations, but also to my life as a whole. It's a win-win with Jesus, no matter what. Whether he asks you to sacrifice something that you love, whether he asks you to give up something that he's promised you, whether he's asked you to, to do whatever it is that you don't want to do, we've all been in that situation. It's a win-win. Like Micah said, if, he, if you feel like he's withholding something from you, but he's got a sweet bag of flaming Hot Cheetos behind his back, like, take the Cheetos, man. Like, pay attention to what he is providing you with. Pay attention to what he's giving you, and I guarantee you're going to care a lot less about what you were focused on before. Yeah, I think you make some great points there. I think I've said it on the podcast before, like obedience is never determined by the outcome. And that's something that's straight from J.P. Pecluda. He does a great podcast called Becoming Something. If you're going to listen to a podcast, listen to that one because it's so, so good. After this one, yeah. No, really, that one's so much better. <laughs> no, but it's really great. And I think Proverbs fourteen twelve says, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. Um, and then Romans eight twenty eight says, and we know for that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So like when you're surrendering things, you can't judge the outcome of that by the obedience. Or no, you can judge it by the obedience. But like the outcome doesn't determine how successful your surrender was. And I think that's something that's so, so important um, to do. I think even as you're hearing this, if you're thinking, man, like I'm surrendering things all the time, I would say take a second and ask yourselves, all right, are my desires aligning with what the Lord's desires are for me? Because um, if you're having to surrender something every other day, like a new thing, I would say they're probably not. So take some time and pray yeah. um, that the Lord would continue to uh, align your desires with His. And I think that's something that's super important. But uh, one last thing, and then I'm sure you have something good to say as we close out. But this summer we were talking, I was talking with someone about this idea of surrender and consecration. And someone asked, like, how do you know when you've officially surrendered or consecrated something? Like, how do you know when it's finally gone? You're dead. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, all right. So I think I was talking with someone else right before that about, like, when is the right time to say, like, I love you in a relationship. And I think the proper time for that is, like, when your actions say it for you. And I think kind of a good judge for surrendering consecration in your life can be like, all right, so when do your actions show for you that you've completely surrendered? When are you not thinking about it all the time? When are your actions not dictated by the surrender? And I think, again, those things can come few and far between. So there may be some things that you have to surrender every day for the rest of your life. but. I think when your actions show a heart posture of surrender like for you, I think that's safe to say that you're probably moving on pretty well. Yeah. Um, I just have one last scripture to bring it back to, and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Here's what it says. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, you were bought at a price. Um, you want to talk about surrendering to God. You want to talk about giving things up to him. You want to talk about consecration, whatever you want to call it. You are not your own. You belong to somebody. God calls the shots. And so I just really want to emphasize that. There's, there's kind of this new agey Christian way of thinking, millennial, whatever you want to call it, where people are saying... God is just a part of my life, and he's just this, you know, he's, he's this hip thing that I'm doing on the side. He's this, he's just part of my life. He's just something that, 
doesn't define who I am, but he's just there. Get that crap out of your system. You're not your own. And honestly, if I can be frank, like, yeah, God is a huge proponent of free will, but his will is that you would make your will his. So the whole free will thing is almost a paradox because you have to make the choice, but your choice should be his choice. So that's at the end of the day, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. And at the end of the day, do what God says. And I hope that's kind of clear. I feel like that's kind of clear. But do what he says, and if you think your idea is better, we've, we've said at least three or four different verses that say, your idea is not better than his. He's God, all right? Mm-hmm. He's God. Yeah, man, I even say, like, these last few months for me has been one of the hardest seasons of my life of surrender. So, like, as I'm saying all this, man, it cuts me deep to hear it. And even as I go back through and listen to this, it's funny because I go back and I'll listen to our pod and I'll hear myself say something, and then I'm like, ow, oh, now I actually got to do that. <laughs> Dang it. So, like, man, I, I'm right here with you guys in this process. Um, for real, like, I, I understand how hard it can be, and it's easy for us to sit here and talk about it on a microphone, but we have to turn around and do it too. So yep. we're in this with you guys as well. Absolutely. Very nice. Well, man, guys, as we wrap up, thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you like our podcast, why don't you leave us a little review? Just give us a few words. And a few stars. Because I, I just think that would be cool to look down and see a review. I think my mom has left the only review. <laughs> but, like, the name she put, she wrote, like, Micah. So it looks like I gave us wow, our that's review. Oh. But, yeah, give us a review if you like us. I'd like to read that. And also, I don't know who listens to this because we only see, like, the numbers of listeners. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. If you do listen, we appreciate you. That's all. All right. Well, we love you guys. We will see you next episode. Peace. Peace.